Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. No matter who you are, things in your life probably aren't going as expected, whatever that means. But the things you are doing right now, no matter what they are, that's your life. It's not a plan B. I'm your host, Madeline Mortensen, and you're listening to This Is Not A Backup Plan. It's episode eight of This Is Not A Backup Plan. I am so glad that you are here. This week, my guest is my friend, Hannah Nickerson, and we're chatting all about when she got her master's degree in Scotland. It's a very fun interview about travel, living in a new place, and continuing your education, and the different ways our life experiences impact us and affect how we are moving forward. I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with Hannah. Hi, my name is Hannah. I am born and raised in Cedar City, Utah, and I'm a graduate of Utah State University, Go Aggies, and also a graduate of Queen Margaret University in Edinburgh, Scotland. I am a registered dietitian and I currently live and work in Virginia. I am a clinical dietitian for long-term care facilities, but I just recently accepted a new exciting job working for the public health department for Dare County, which is the Outer Banks area of North Carolina, and I will be the director of the WIC clinic there. So to start out, can you tell me about what led you to make the decision to go to grad school in Scotland? I say that it was just a bit of a happy accident. I was about halfway through my dietetic internship, which was a slog. It was like almost a year, about 10 months of unpaid intern work. So I was pretty much going to work for eight hours every day, but I was paying to do it. I wasn't making any money. And I was fresh out of school and feeling a little bit like burnt out on studying and nutrition and all of it. And I was also feeling a little bit scared to be working as a dietitian. I graduated from Utah State when I was 20. And while I was in the process, it seemed like a really cool idea to do it quick and dirty and graduate young. But when I graduated as a 20-year-old, I really didn't feel ready to join the workforce. And even though I had been on the path of becoming a dietitian for several years at that point, when I pictured my life down the road, I never pictured myself working as a dietitian. Like I couldn't see that far in the future. All I had known was school. And so I always saw older Hannah doing grad school or something in school. And so I was a bit of a disgruntled intern and thinking that I'm not ready to work. I want to do more school. And so I started looking and I thought what I really want to do is travel. That's what I really like to do. And so it occurred to me that maybe I could do grad school somewhere else, which would kind of also serve the purpose of letting me escape Utah because I was feeling a little bit suffocated and I just wanted 
an adventure and I just stumbled upon this obscure Scottish university offering an obscure degree. My master's degree is in gastronomy, which when I saw that, I think I had found it by looking for, I don't know, public health nutrition master's programs or something like that. And I found this gastronomy that seemed to be something having to do with food and nutrition and food science and farming and all of these aspects of food that I didn't know very much about. And it just sounded dreamy. I had been to Scotland for literally two days before just as a visitor, never planned to live there, never thought I would live there. And I just stumbled upon this opportunity and it was like almost too good to be true. I really didn't tell anyone that I was applying because I just felt like, oh, this could never happen to me. This is too perfect. It would be too amazing. So I like just told my family that I was just going to apply, say, what the heck, see what happens. And it ended up working out. It was hard and it was amazing and it was 100% worth it. Tell me a little bit about when you got the acceptance, kind of deciding that you were actually going to do it and then the logistics of moving overseas to do your grad program. Finding out that I like got a spot in the program and got an offer was super exciting and again felt too good to be true, but it still felt like a really hard decision to make. And I feel like I have felt the same sort of overwhelm when it comes to making significant decisions for myself pretty much ever since graduating from college because everywhere was an option to me. When you're single, and certainly I'm in a life position that lots of other people aren't in, and I have more opportunities than so many other people, so that plays a big role in it, but it felt very overwhelming that I was just supposed to be in charge of my own life, especially because so many of my peers, their lives were very much controlled by where their husbands were going to school or where their husband's job or thinking about their husband and their kids, which has its own frustrations and stress, I'm sure. But it felt overwhelming that like, it didn't matter where I went. It didn't matter to anyone because it's just my life and I could stay or I could go. And so this decision, when I got this opportunity to go to Scotland, it felt a little bit overwhelming in the sense, this is crazy and it's just about me. When I've been trying to make big decisions in my life, I really wish that I like had a, a clear sign. You know, you hear about people who are like, I was trying to decide where to move and I closed my eyes and I had a dream of a map and it showed me Oklahoma and that's how I knew to go. And that stuff has never happened to me. I never have just like this clear vision of what I want to do, but I found something that was exciting to me and I did what I needed to do to have it be an, a viable option. And it didn't fill me with a sense of overwhelming dread, like the thought of staying in Utah County did. And so I just decided to do it and just took a jump and did it. Something that really helped me along the process of figuring it out is that one of my best friends from dietitian school from Utah State, she was in a similar position as I was. We just finished up our internships. We'd both passed the RD exam. We were dietitians and we wanted to do grad school. So she applied to my same university, but a different program and we got accepted. So we figured it out together. And that was a really big help for me that I had a, a friend and a companion that we could figure it out. And honestly, the process was pretty straightforward because universities, at least in the UK, really want international students because you pay international tuition and it looks good and there's 
lots of benefits. Being a student is one of the only ways that you can get a, a visa to live in the UK. Like it's pretty tricky. You have to be a pretty specific kind of employee if you want to be able to move there as an American. So being able to have a student visa was pretty slick. Filled out the application, paid some money, got my picture taken, got my hands scanned, fingerprints, whatever. And then I got my visa cleared and I packed all of my stuff in two suitcases and I took a one-way plane ride to Amsterdam and then I took a ferry to the bottom of England and then I took a bunch of trains up all of England into Scotland all the way up to Edinburgh and then I was home, I guess. That's, I think, comforting to hear that since you were doing it through a university, that there was the support to like take care of your paperwork and have someone tell you this is what you need to do to be yes, here. Yes, very much so. And of course, it is a little bit tricky and you have to jump through the hoops and do the things, but the university really makes sure that you're not going to be there illegally. So it was nice to have a little bit of guidance because as much as I had traveled before, I had never sought out to live anywhere internationally. So it was a very different experience, but there was a lot of support. That makes a lot of sense. So with tuition, did you have scholarship or like funding opportunities or was tuition all out of pocket? So my specific program did not have any funding opportunities that were available for me when I applied. So I paid everything out of pocket or rather out of student loan pocket. But my program was only one year. That's very common, at least in the UK for master's programs. They're only one year rather than the usual two in America. And comparing tuition rates to what I paid to compared to what I maybe would have paid at a university in Utah, I still saved a fair amount of money only having one year. That's another reason why it felt like it was an opportunity that I could take because grad school is expensive anywhere, no matter how you slice it. And so I did end up saving some money going abroad. That's cool. And this is something I did not realize. So were you able to use student loans to pay for school in the yes. UK? Um, I believe the way it works is that only like accredited or certified universities abroad can accept uh, U.S. Department of Education student loans. It pretty much was the same slick process as if I would have been here that I got the loan. Something magical and technology happened to get the money from the, I don't know, America money to Queen Margaret's bank account, but it worked. And I've had a lot of people ask me if that was worth it because debt is a scary thing and student loans are a scary thing and lots of people have all kinds of opinions about it but i still really maintain that it was totally worth it i didn't realize that student loans department of education student loans through the united states could be used to pay for like international studies under certain circumstances so that's yeah really and cool. i had never heard anything about that until i looked into it it just seems cool because if you're in a situation where you're looking for like a change of pace and maybe there's an international program that feels like it's a good fit and maybe you already are thinking about going to grad school like that seems like there are specific boxes that it's checking for you that could definitely 
be a cool way to have an experience to live outside of the United States, paying for something that you might have already been choosing to pay for. Yeah, totally. And and I was feeling like I wanted to go to grad school for a lot of reasons. I wanted a master's degree for a lot of reasons. I felt like even if I had stayed in Logan and, and gotten a master's degree from Utah State, which I have friends that did, and it's amazing. It's a great school, and that would have been super cool, and I could be an anti-ice cream for two years. In my mind, and sort of where I was at mentally and emotionally at that time, that, yeah, I did feel like, well, if I'm getting a giant student loan to live in Logan or to live in Scotland, I'd rather go to Scotland for a year. So now I really want to talk about living in Scotland because I've never lived out of the country. I have visited new places and I love visiting new places, but there's always that learning curve. Even when you're in a place where like English is being spoken, it's just such an adjustment. And so I would love to hear a little bit about your experience adjusting to Scotland and adjusting to making a new country home for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Scotland. I didn't expect there to be some culture shock and I didn't expect it to feel like as big of an adjustment because I figured, you know, like, I speak English, I speak English. Been there before. Like, it, they drive on the other side of the street, but whatever. But it was a really big adjustment. Just the pace of life in Scotland and like day to day life was just so vastly different than, especially Cedar City, where I grew up. It, took a long time, like several months for Scotland to feel like home. And this is definitely a time in my life where I felt so strange about my relationship with social media. It was a big surprise when I moved to Scotland. And every time I would talk to my parents, they'd say, oh, we saw so-and-so at the grocery store. And they just said, they can't believe your Instagram and your life looks so amazing. And they're so proud of you. And, and you know, like, at face value, it does sound really just dreamy and amazing that I just ran off to Scotland to study food. And of course it was, and I felt very lucky for the opportunities that I had, but especially at the beginning, it was really hard. I arrived in September and winter in Scotland is so dreary. The sun never comes out. It's dark all the time. It's very far north, which I didn't realize because I also am terrible at geography. So it wasn't until that I actually got there and looked at a map that I was like, oh, I'm like actually very far north. I'd go to school in the dark. I'd come home in the dark. It rained for six months straight. It was cold. We were living in a super old flat with drafty windows that like if you were sitting by the window and it was windy outside, you could see your hair being blown by the wind inside with the windows closed. It was just really wild and it felt far from home and it felt pretty foreign. But I remember the very first time that I felt like Scotland was home. It was right around Christmas time. So I'd been there for several months. I wasn't going home for Christmas to see my family. So it was my first holiday being spent away. And it was feeling pretty different. And as I mentioned, winter was like, what? Every single day. And I had one of my old friends was in London for a couple weeks with it with a school trip actually. So she was down there for a little while and I had bought a train ticket to go down to meet up with her just for the day. Just a super quick, short visit just to connect with someone when I was really missing home. And so I went down to London, had a lovely time. Christmas lights were everywhere. It was beautiful. So fun to see my friend and kind of bittersweet to say goodbye. And the next day I took the long train journey back up and Waverly Station in Edinburgh is right in the middle of the city and you're down below the city. 
And so you get off the train, get off the platform, and then you walk up all these steps and then you pop out on ground level on Princess Street, which is like the big main high street through town. And I had this long day of travel and I got up the steps of Waverly Station and popped out on Princess Street. And I just thought, oh, it's so nice to be home. And then I thought, home? This isn't my home. But that was the first time that I actually felt like coming home to Edinburgh. And from that point forward, I think I started feeling a little bit more adjusted and things felt a little bit more familiar and my drafty flat really did feel like home. But it it was definitely a process and it took a lot of time. (laughs) I think that's something that people don't always think about when they see how fun new adventures look. I have a cousin who her husband is Dutch and she lives in the Netherlands and she's lived there for quite a while, like over a decade now. And just something that we've talked a lot about is like that culture shock and that adjusting to going to the grocery store and not being able to get all the things you're used to and not knowing where the things are at the grocery store. Or even if you can get a similar product, it might not be exactly the same. And if you just think about like how hard it is to adjust to having your food and to adjust to figuring out like how you do things, the social norms, the practical of what's located where, like it's a lot of energy to navigate that if you're in a new place. Oh yeah, totally. What do you feel were some of just the practical things that were challenging to adjust to? And maybe the things that like you would tell someone if they were moving somewhere, just maybe so that they knew what they might be expecting as far as culture shock or adjustment. It was a very big adjustment for me coming from kind of small town Utah. Edinburgh is, I call it like a little big city, that it's very walkable and they have great public transportation, great bus system. But that was a little bit different for me to figure out. And I really had to adjust to like, you've got to live your life on the bus timetable. Um, Because of course, lots of people do drive, but especially in the city center, it's not really worth it to drive with traffic. And I'm a nervous driver, even in Utah, where we drive on the same side of the road and the roads are nice and wide and big, thanks to Brother Brigham. So I was not about to try and drive on the other side of the street. So I was a bus person. I was a walk person. And that was really different. Something that was funny, I thought about Scotland and I guess the UK was that like even at uni, even at school, we'd have tea and coffee breaks all throughout the day. We'd have a little tea break. Like we'd be doing all of our, our classes, taking notes, sitting in lectures, and then be like, oh, it's time to pop down to the canteen and get some tea. And I'd be like, wait, what do you mean? We're all adults here. We don't need a tea break. But, you know, everyone would go down, get their cup of tea, get a little candy bar, get a little biscuit or something. And that's just how it was. And I think that just the daily things about life in Scotland just felt so different than life in Utah, especially. But I think that's also something that I felt was really valuable about my time there. Because I think it was really good for me to see that, oh, yeah, other people live like life really differently. And that's not a bad thing. I love that so much. Because something I feel like as I've been able to visit different places, is I think lots of the time people like go places, or there's just this predominant narrative that like, oh, like, we're all the same, like you go different places, and you see that we're all the same. And I feel like I would actually say like, I've been different places and I've learned that we all live really differently. There are different ways to live and that's really valid. And that's what makes the world like interesting. Totally agree. And I think it can be really easy to just forget that other people might do things differently. And it can feel sometimes a little bit uncomfortable, I think, to recognize like, oh, maybe my way is not the only right way. 
And that was really good for me to just see some different perspectives and see some different lives that difficult and all good. We talked about like the adjusting and the getting settled into a new place and what could be hard. I'd love to hear about what some of your favorite things were. What are some of the things you think about the most fondly or that you think, oh, this was just so fun when I was in Scotland? Edinburgh, I think, is one of the best cities in the whole world. Would totally recommend a visit to anyone. And I took loads of recommendations, so let me know if you're planning a trip to Scotland. But it's so fascinating. And I think that we can say this a lot about Europe, you know, that in America, 100 miles isn't very far. And in Europe, 100 years isn't very long. The things that we value in America and the infrastructure of the history in America is just very different. And Scotland's old. It's like really old. And Edinburgh has been a city for a really long time. And so much of the history has been preserved. And it was it was never lost on me. Like when I would be traipsing through the city after a bus ride in the rain, walking to my job and from the bus stop that I would get off of to get to the running shop that I worked at part-time, I'd take a shortcut through a cemetery and I'd be walking past gravestones that are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And, you know, in the shadow of the Edinburgh Castle, that's hundreds of years old, that royalty has been going in and out of for centuries and it was just amazing to me even on days when I was tired and didn't want to go to work and felt lonely and cold and didn't want to be there I would just think this is so bizarre that this is my life and taking the bus through the city even if I had a long bus ride and there was traffic I'd look around and see the, the old churches and the cathedrals and the the sort of the skyline of Edinburgh and just feel like amazed at humans amazed at history and I felt so lucky to just be there seeing it with my own eyeballs and I also really loved connecting with people in Scotland again coming from a very I don't know I guess a very Utah background the the friends and colleagues and co-workers and classmates and professors that I had there were just so lovely in so many different ways and so different from me and I, it was so fun and exciting and such an eye-opening opportunity to get to know about them and know about their lives and be a little part of their lives. Because um, I met some really wonderful people that taught me lessons that I will remember for the rest of my life. That's so cool. I, I just love like imagining it. I've never been to Scotland, but I have been to Europe before. And I know that the different countries are so different, but I love like the cobblestone. And I love that you're like in these places that have buildings that are so old and buildings that are so new and buildings that have told so many different stories. And it's just a very different experience. It's funny because I lived down the street from this like beautiful Episcopal church that I think was built in the late 1800s. And that feels like really right. old. But when I'm like in Amsterdam and go to a museum that's built in the late 1800s, it's oh, like, what a lovely new museum that we're visiting. And it, it's just the perspective is so lovely. It's I know, so I know that is such a, like a cool thing to see when you do traveling kind of contrast America with some of those other places. It's it really changes your perspective, I think. I love it. You've touched on these a little bit throughout, but I would love to hear like maybe some of the biggest takeaways you have from your experience or maybe some of the things that you feel like 
you learned or developed about you in Scotland that you feel like affect you now, like whether it's in your job now or just in general in your perspective? First, I want to touch really quick on my specific graduate program that I earned my degree from. Studying gastronomy, really, I'd explain it as like studying everything else about food besides nutrition. And I was coming from just having studied and passed the RD exam, very rigorous. I had a rigorous school program and it was just ingrained in my mind. I studied so much. I was really into school and I was like very deep in just like straight textbook facts, nutrition and dietetics. And I also had a secret eating disorder at that time that no one knew about. And food was just one thing to me. It was sometimes really challenging to be in this setting of studying food and no one else, none of my classmates had a background in nutrition. Some of them had backgrounds in the food and drink industry. Some were chefs, some were restaurant owners, some were teachers, all kinds of different backgrounds, but we were studying food in such a new way and in such a human way, stepping away from the nutrients and looking at why food is important to us as humans, to our communication, to our culture, to the earth. And exploring all of those relationships was just really eye-opening to me and really came as a breath of fresh air and has totally reshaped the way that I feel about food and nutrition. I feel like it's helpful for my own personal recovery from an eating disorder and also like giving me a little bit of a different perspective into my career. And I think it has definitely made me a better dietitian. And it's a pretty obscure thing, gastronomy. There's not a whole lot of gastronomy programs around. So I feel like that was such a unique learning opportunity for me. And so that, that was a big thing. And kind of like I, I touched on earlier that it was really wonderful and lovely to meet and connect with people. And I was able to make some, you know, lifelong friends who just, their lives are different than mine. They have some different values than I do. They believe different things. They do different things. And it was really good for me to be able to connect with people and see that some of the maybe black and white thinking that I absorbed growing up, that some of that got to be expanded a little bit. And just, again, such a good reminder that like, my way is not the only right way. And there's so many people living lives doing so many different things that are valuable and that can look a million different ways. And it was so fun to be able to like just throw myself into it. And like I said at the beginning, it was a hard adjustment, but I'm really proud of myself that I was able to do it. And I think that was, the whole thing was a learning opportunity that I'm happy that I got and I'm thankful that I got and I feel lucky for. And I think it's, it can be a good reminder that the world sometimes seems really big and scary and it is really big, but it's also full of really good people. I would be curious, do you feel like moving to Scotland has helped you as you're now making a career on the East Coast? And as you're now living in new places and moving to new places to work, has that experience of leaving your whole country and learning how to make a new place home, has that helped you as you've taken other opportunities? Yes, definitely. I have never felt like a very brave person. I'm a very anxious person. I have been since I was a tiny kid. I've always been a worrier. 
I'm very uh, risk averse in most things. And I don't really feel brave or courageous about very many things because I worry about everything. And especially when I was like initially moving to Scotland, I had so many people express a little bit of concern or worry for me or express that I was really brave and they were surprised that my parents were letting me do this and seemed so scary. And of course, all of that was coming from a well-meaning place of concern for me, but I didn't really feel brave. And, and when I first got there, it didn't feel brave. But looking back, I do feel like for whatever reason, that's a part of my life that I could be brave for. And I do think that it really gave me some confidence that I can start over and I can do hard things and I can make friends and a rainy, dark, green place can become home to a girl from the southern Utah desert. And I think that there's lots of ways that people can experience that in your life. And for me, it really came from just like doing something that I loved when I got the chance to do it. I love that. Is there anything we didn't chat about or we didn't touch on that you feel is important that you'd want to include? I guess in keeping with the theme of this conversation, moving to another country and attending an excellent graduate school program wasn't a backup plan. And that was certainly a time in my life where my life looked so different from the girls I went to school with, the girls I went to church with, the girls I grew up with, um, my friends. And sometimes that felt really isolating. And sometimes I almost felt a little bit disappointed. Like, what am I doing just running amok in the UK when I felt like I was seeing so many other people back home doing things that felt meaningful or that seemed meaningful, having families, whatever. And I think that time also helped me come to realize that there's lots of good ways to be, at least in, in my case, there's lots of good ways to be a young member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. There's a lot of good ways to be a woman. And it might look really different from someone else's. And it also might not be something that you ever imagined. But that doesn't mean that it's a backup plan. And it can certainly be the right place for you at that time. I love that so much. Do you have, if people want to follow you or like see some of these fun pictures from when you were in Scotland, do you have a social media that's public? Uh, I think my Instagram is public. I am pan underscore Nick. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. This has been so delightful. Thanks for chatting with me. It was nice to connect again. Thank you so much to Hannah for her time and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that you will check Hannah's Instagram out because she has so many cool pictures of her time in Scotland on there. If you are enjoying this podcast, please make sure to rate and review it and share it. And please make sure to check it out on Instagram at notabackupplan. You can find me on Twitter at Madeline K. I'm so grateful for your time. And remember, this is your life. It's not a plan B.